What's going on, podcast world, podcast family? Pastor Spencer here with another episode of the Church Voice Podcast with my co-host. Tyler Rhodes, what up? What's going on, man? Um, So yeah, we're back with another one this week. Of course, our vision and our goal every single week on the podcast is building the body of Christ through a variety of voices. And we do that through the avenue of church history. We've been getting into a lot of church history lately. Oh yeah. And I think it's like a, such a good way to add to add to scripture, add to devotions, add to really just our our walk in general. So that's what we do here and that and we're we're passionate about that and and I know I'm growing. Like Same. I literally like every time we get done with a podcast, I like order the book of whoever. <laughs> like I always, yeah. I got, I got mad books now, yeah. you know, on my Kindle just from from people we've talked about because it's like you know what I wanna I wanna dig a little bit deeper into what these people wrote and how they were. So um, other than that, we are completely sponsored, supported, and recorded at Christian Center Church, um, five thirty East Ireland Road, South Bend, Indiana. Um, you can check us out at christiancenter.org org um and see what we've got going on here at the church um but other than that pastor tyler how are you doing uh this wonderful wonderful morning oh i'm doing good man good yeah good yeah doing real good my uh my folks are coming into town that's always exciting yeah 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 they're they're coming into town obviously it'll be after this it'll be after this airs but mm-hmm. it um they're coming in this weekend yeah they're going it's for their anniversary okay i want to say they're spending it here? Yeah. Well, they're <laughs> going to spend kidding. two nights I'm in... I'm just joking. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're going to spend two nights in Chicago. So okay. that'll be like okay. the anniversary yeah. part of the yeah. weekend. And then uh, they were like, we we got to come see Parker Joy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're going to come. Ain't none of my siblings going to be here. Okay. So that might have been the most Southern thing I've ever said. Ain't none of my siblings going to be up here. Ain't none of my siblings going to be up here. They ain't coming up here this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they ain't. They're not coming, so mom and dad will get um, some more two-on-one time with her. Okay, stuff like yeah, that. So, yeah. so that that'll be fun. Yeah, dad is actually uh, Pastor Mark invited him to preach on Wednesday, June second. Okay, so dad'll be preaching here at the church on that night. That'll so be that'll sweet. Yeah, man. that'll be exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. I might have to like skip see kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and go like, in there, pop yeah. into the sanctuary, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So that's prepare awesome. for a long night. <laughs> Does he go long? He's long-winded. Really? He's, well, we all are. If we all are. If we're not intentionally about like intentional about like shutting up, 100%. we're all going to go 100%. over time. Yeah. yeah. I I preach to my youth leaders all the time. 15 to 20 minutes is enough yeah. to get your point yeah. across. And I'm 30. 35 every time. minutes. Every time. Every week. Every time. Yeah. So, yeah. so he ain't the only one. Yeah. I heard it's like, well, not even I heard, like it's like a cardinal sin to to go over when you're the guest oh yeah like you you can't like you can't unless like and i don't think a lot of people know that a lot mm-hmm. of preachers know that because they'll just right. they'll just go on and oh, on yeah, and yeah, on yeah, and yeah. it's like it's like that's not cool no it's not cool no it's not cool if they give you a time limit like i remember yeah. i've told you many stories yeah. of the discipline my father gave yeah. for mistakes i right, made when right. i would preach for him and I, I remember him giving me a time limit oh, one yeah. time of 30 minutes, and I went about 39. And yeah, man, it, 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 it wasn't unless pretty. it's like a clear move of God, mm-hmm. like unless it's like an absolute move mm-hmm. of God, just wrap it up. Even then, ask for permission. Oh, yeah. I've oh, seen yeah. dad do it. I I've, like that. I like yeah, that. That's I've smart. seen dad. That's smart. I've seen dad when he's traveled look at a pastor and say, 
you know, can can I keep going mm. or can I've got a word to share? Can I That's share wise. it? Or I want to have the altar call. Can I do it? And I mean, I've never I've never seen a pastor say no, no, but because no, that'd be kind of hard to wrap do. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, just get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's still a good way, still yeah. a good way to go about it. Smart. So all you preachers out there, we got that's, yeah. that's a pro tip for you. <laughs> all right. Don't go over time. And if you need to, if you feel led in your spirit, you better ask permission. You better ask permission. Yeah. I think that's smart. I like that. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Cause people say, you know, it's better to ask forgiveness than for permission. Mm, Not in that. I bet you ain't I, coming back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't ask for a return. <laughs> right. A return right. invitation. Yeah. But I don't, I don't love, and I'm, I'm not saying this is like beneath me or any kind of judgmental thing, but I don't love when, when pastors or evangelists or speakers will call around the churches and yeah. ask them if they can come. Really? Cause I've, so when I was a youth pastor in Alabama before coming here, um, I had a couple of jobs and our pastor had a job. Mm. So we didn't have office hours like we do here. Right. But we, um, but w there'd be certain times we would go in there. So if he wasn't there, I'd just go work in his office. Yeah. So if somebody called the church, I just, I'd pick up the phone. Right. And how many, you know, missionaries and speakers and evangelists would call. Yeah. Say, Hey, you know, can we come over there? Yeah. It, it was just kind of odd. Not that these people aren't doing, aren't doing God's work. Cause yeah. I think they are, but it was just kind of odd. Yeah. I realize, I realize, I guess to some level, I, I would understand a missionary more right, than anybody else right. because they're raising support. Yeah. So to yeah. me, that's different. It's very different. It's it, it's different than, hey, can I come over there and speak and yeah. get the offering? It's yeah. like, why are you asking me that? It, it's, it's different, man. <laughs> it it's different. different. Especially coming out of the high evangelists uh -huh. movement. Like, you yeah. know, where, where evangelists and, and that that whole movement was such a such a thing. Oh, yeah. And I just, you know, I don't know if we're if we're so much there anymore, you know, as, as yeah, as, it's just it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. You know, we used to live in a time where people would drive hours. Oh, yeah. To hear someone. Yep. I mean, I've heard of people like back in the night. OK, let's take the Brownsville revival. OK. In in Florida. I know I know people who drove from Midwestern states like mm. up here drove all the way down to Florida just to be a part of what was happening. But we don't have that as much now. Yeah. Because now, if we had Brownsville 2.0 yeah. in, in modern days, I just watch it on YouTube. That's you true. Just, you just look live it up. Live stream it. So it's, it's on live yeah. stream. <laughs> so it's just a different day. It's yeah. just kind of different yeah. with, I guess I could understand that more back then. Mm -hmm. But now that it's different, if you want someone to look at your material you would go more to social media that's true. than calling around that's churches it's saying, just, can I come yeah, speak? It's, the, the church is different yeah. today, you know? Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, no. you know? And I don't like, you know, because you've got, you've got those under the, the impression of, hey, we got to go back to back then. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know what? We're just, I think church is just different, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. You know? Because okay. we're different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. We are. And we're changing every day. Speaking of change, all right, let's, <laughs> let's talk about uh, a changing topic today. Um, I know that this, this, uh, we had a little bit of a conversation, uh, last week in our meeting and in this, it, this was a tough one for me just to, yeah. to wrap my mind around, but the concept makes complete sense. 
And I think it's something that we all need to hear. But we're going to talk about our our guest today, our historical guest, if you will, is um, a guy by the name of Andrew Murray. And if you have not heard of him in, in reference to Christian literature, you know, I don't I don't know how to tell you about him. But I will tell you about him because we got a little bit of a bio. Um, but Andrew Murray lived between 1828 and he died in 1970. 1917. I almost said 70. 18 or 1970. That's Not, incredible. Yeah, he, he lived a long time, over a hundred years. Um, but no, he he died in 1917, and he was a minister in the Dutch Reformed Church in South Africa. Um, and he was influenced by the Keswick movement in England and began to teach the higher life doctrine. Um, he wrote about 50 books and 130 tracks, um, he made, he, making his published works around 240 published documents on the spiritual life. You could, you could probably put that up with Watchman Nee. Yeah. I think Watchman Nee yep. probably has more. Yeah. But yeah. that's, I mean, that's just a lot of it's, output. It's a, it's a large body of work. Even tracks, because see, here's yeah. the thing. I mean, that's like a, I think we would call that now a brochure yeah. or like a pamphlet or something. Right. I mean, that, that's a lot of stuff to put on there. Well, in 130 different ones. Exactly. I think that's that's the significant part about that because, like, you think of a track, like, all, you know, the tracks say, hey, you know, do you, you know, are you a sinner? Do you need right. your sins? For, like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's to go 130 different directions yeah. with a salvation yeah, exactly. track. It's like, that's that's pretty that's pretty creative. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, but our fun fact is that, you know, especially as Pentecostals, we're going to, we're going to love this. Huh. Um, but our early Pentecostals constructed, um, what they called healing homes, which were built on the idea, um, that James 514 was, um, was prescript, per, uh. <laughs> look, my lips got all dry. I couldn't say the word. <laughs> Perspective. <laughs> Prescriptive. All right. Here, a sick person, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, would confess their sin, call for the elders to anoint them, and come to the place where they can pray um, the prayer of faith. Healing um, of the soul was primary, and the main emphasis was wholeness and holiness. William E. Boardman built what he called a nursery of faith in London, where the sick would come and experience God, their healer. Andrew Murray found his way to Boardman's healing home after having a having to leave the ministry in South Africa because of various illnesses. It was there that he began to believe in the power of healing by experiencing it himself. So yeah, that's yeah. Andrew Murray. Yeah. I think that was an interesting fun fact. It is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, and especially coming from like the reformed movement, because they weren't really super into that no. sort of thing mm, no. in the reformed movement. Correct? No, no, not at that time. Yeah, far yeah. more open to it in modern in modern days. Yeah, than they were then. But no, no, yeah. not so much back then. Pastor Tyler, I need you to kind of take this one on because you brought the quote from Andrew Murray, and we talked about it a little bit. And again, I wrestled with it. So, mm -hmm. um, help us kind of get to this to this place that that I, I think we do need to get to. Um, so, so go ahead and introduce the quote and talk about talk about our 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 topic for for today. Yeah, what I love and despise about this topic <laughs> is that we all wrestle with it. And yeah. I think that's why we have to talk about it. 
So this quote is from Andrew Murray's book, Thy Will Be Done. Real quick, shout out to Tina Ruth, Mm. One of the yes. uh, one of the members of our local body here. Yep, she gave me this book. Yes, I didn't have. I knew who Andrew Murray was, but I didn't have any of his yeah. any of his writings. Yeah, till she gave me this book. So uh, shout out, shout out shout to out. Tina, man, <laughs> for real. Yeah, she's given me probably probably seven or eight mm-hmm. of these old books like this. William yeah. Law, I'm, guys yeah. like that who. Uh, William Law was a contemporary of John Wesley. So okay, okay, you know moving that excites on, moving me. On. Okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, um, his book "Thy Will Be Done" is all about the will of God. Yeah. So that's going to be our topic: is the will of God, which is a real controversial and difficult topic. Definitely. Um, because I think the way that we understand it, the way I understand it, is uh, lacking in some ways. So Andrew Murray's words here, really, it, they brought me a lot of comfort through the wrestling as opposed to uh, our typical understanding. So what he's doing is he's expounding on Matthew twelve fifty, which is where Jesus says, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So this is part of what Murray says about that scripture. The Lord opens here to us the deepest secret of his own life as son of God on earth. He came as man to prove the blessedness and glory of doing the will of the Father. In his human life, this was the one disposition that lay at the root of his power to conquer sin, to satisfy God, and to save us. Doing the will of God is the only possible way, on earth or in heaven, of pleasing God. Thinking as God thinks, loving what God loves, willing as God wills, doing what God says, how could we think there is any way but this to the fellowship or favor of God? And then this is, this is like his last statement here that kind of summarizes his main point. Doing the will of the Father is the bond of union with Jesus. Mm. So the way that he expounds on that scripture is a different way than the way I've always taken it, Matthew twelve fifty. It, but I think his understanding is better. Yeah, I think it's better. Yeah, because he took it as saying that being in union with Jesus is doing the will of the Father, and doing the will of the Father is being in union with Jesus. Yes, that that both of those things, both of those realities, are important truths to kind of hold intention in our lives. And here's why I think this is so helpful is because when we tend to think of the will of God, what we tend to say is that God has a a purpose and a direction for my life. I need to discern what that is. I need to obey the directive and to go live in the purpose that he's given me to live in. Yeah. So usually that comes down to decisions, right? I've got decisions I need to make. And I need to make sure that I know the will of God in these decisions. You know, what what career path and vocation am I called to? Uh, who do I need to marry? You know, do I do I need to leave this town and move somewhere else? Do I need to stay? And and, and we're always asking the question: Am I living in in my purpose? Now, I do, I don't want to say that any of that isn't the will of God. I just don't think that's all of it. And I think Andrew Murray's words here are 
a very wise and key in interpreting what Jesus said, that doing the will of the Father isn't just trying to discover the direction for my life, that doing the will of the Father is being in union with Jesus, that my daily walk with him, growing in his likeness, experiencing his presence, uh, being, being engaged in his mission in the world, that that is just as much doing the will of the Father as marrying this person over that person, accepting that job over this job, and moving to that town over this town, going to this college over that college. That to me, both are the will of God, but I don't think we're going to get the directive will without getting the will in the bond of union with Jesus. Mm. And I think what makes discerning God's will so hard is that we try to decide what God wants us to do without being with Jesus. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's always been the tension in my life, yeah. is I'm trying to get a directive without the intimacy of, of knowing what that is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like our union with our wives. Like, even though I don't know my wife completely, and, mm-hmm. and neither do you know yours, I know her more than anybody else, and, and, and the same goes for you guys. And so if anybody is going to be able to determine in any given situation what she wants or what she needs— it's going to be me. Yeah. Because I have the most intimate relationship with her than than anybody else. And it's not that other people don't know her because they do. But nobody knows her like I know her because of that intimate relationship. And I think the will of God is the same way that it is that intimate union with Jesus on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That helps us to discern and understand what God wants us to do when it comes down to a decision. Yeah. And that understanding of, of the will of the Father set me free from a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure of always feeling like I had to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. No, the right thing is being with Jesus. Yep. And if I keep doing that, I think he's going to get me where I need exactly. to go. I think even if I make a poor decision, I think he's going to get me where I need to go when my first priority is, is being with him. So that's how I kind of wanted to tee up what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. And so if, if you want to jump in on that place and kind of keep pushing that forward is doing the will of the Father is being with Jesus. Yeah. Well, and, and I, my, my first mind goes to how, how that, that statement is used so many times. The statement of, is it God's will? Like, is that God's will for your life? And, and I think that that statement is used so many times in, in religious abuse and, and manipulation far too often. And, and I've experienced that in my own life. And I think that it's, and I think exactly what you're saying, how freeing is it to understand that, that it's the will of God for me to know God? Yes. That's, that, is the, that is the primary will of God. If and if that is happening, if you and I'm not saying like your 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 prayer and devotional life is just on fire at all times, but if but if whatever I'm doing, I am I am getting to know God, that that takes precedence over everything else. And if I'm making a decision, if I'm making a decision, and and I and I can honestly say in my heart of hearts that that I am that I am that through making that decision, through contemplating that decision, I am I'm applying prayer, I'm applying scripture, and that decision is lining up with, with the word of God. 
with, with how I feel God's leading in my life, with how I'm praying. And it, you know what I'm saying? Like even, even whatever my level of maturity is, if I, if I know I'm spending time with God and, and I know that that decision is, is, is pressing me toward God and not away from God, you know, then that has to be the right, the right thing to do. And again, we're not going to make every decision perfectly, mm-hmm. but no matter what decision we make, the, the, the primary will of God can still be present in that decision. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. Like, and I, and again, it's, it's freeing because, and you said something this morning and I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it out there. Cause I thought about our conversation that we were getting ready to have. You said that you're, you're, and I, and I'm, I'm, I, you should say it, but I'm going to say it, Go ahead. Talk but like, but you said that your dad growing up said that you're never going to know more than uh, never going to know what to do more than 80%. Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to ha- have more than 80% assurance on what to do. So that mm-hmm. leaves 20% of unknowing. Yes. But nonetheless, you, you, even if you know 80% and you still make the wrong decision, that will of God of being with Jesus is still present. It's it, you. You can you can be in that will no matter what, and I think that that's so. It is liberating, and I'm not saying like we just go around and make flippant flippant decisions. I'm right. not saying that we go around and just do our best to make the wrong decisions. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm saying is that there's it's there's such a peace knowing that I can still be in the will of God in that in that relationship. If that makes sense, it is. It, it that makes perfect sense. And and here's the thing. What what Andrew Murray and what we're suggesting is it's not flippancy. It's actually right. more reverence. Right. Because when the goal of my life is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did, when it comes to the direction of my life and the decisions I make to go down that certain purposeful direction, it's going to give me cause for pause even more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because because Jesus, who is my leader, my companion, who I'm seeking to please and satisfy and be with and obey in every scenario all the time, then my decision is going to be another consequence of that relationship. Yeah. Because there's there's people who who rightly critique the, that the view that the will of God is only about direction and about purpose. So often they go so far the other way, which is what you're saying, that, well, we just do what we want and we just know God will bless it. And that yeah, is- Yeah, that's not true. That is exactly what we're saying is not the case. Not the case. And we're also saying it's not the case yeah. that everything depends on my decision. Right. Because the scripture says God works all things according to his sovereign purposes. Mm-hmm. So whether I make the wrong decision or right decision- He's, as long as union with Jesus is number one and not my own fleshly desires, yeah. hello, which is hard enough in itself, Right, he's going to get me where I need to go. Yeah. He's yeah. going to get me there. I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of all the decisions I make, yeah. which is fair and right and just. Right. But even then, his mercy and his grace yeah. keeps us from so many things that we deserve. Yeah. And it, it was interesting, even you talking about the other day, how... Sometimes we pray and ask God for things and then we get it and then we ask him to deliver us from what we prayed for. Yeah, yeah. And we have to suffer through that prayer. Exactly. We have to suffer through that request. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Our choices are the same way. Yeah. Yep. That that it's and there's times in scripture and there's times in my life where I've gotten direct 
divine revelation because we believe we believe God still speaks. Mm-hmm. It's not scripture. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to add revelation. Something I think He said right, to right, me. Right, right, right. But we we believe God still speaks and prompts us. Yeah. So there's been times where I've felt Him speak, and I knew that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Outside of that circumstance, eighty percent. I, my life is always born witness to the eighty percent. Yeah, that that that's as best as I know what to do mm-hmm. is eighty percent. Sometimes it ends up being right. Sometimes it ends up being wrong. But even in determining whether we made the right decision or not, now we're trusting our eyes. Yeah, because we always say that. Because who are you? Exactly. Like, who are you to say that you've made the right or wrong decision? Exactly. And and especially, and here's the kicker, especially when. Whatever decision you've made is growing you closer to yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. Because, and I'm just gonna get all the way real with it. Mm-hmm. Because, and in, in, in if and if anyone's listening to this, you know, I just I just want to be honest, mm-hmm. you know. But but when my wife and I got married, um, we both f- mind number number one, she was she was seeking God at the time. I was seeking God at the time on my own. Hey, we had no idea these things were going on. You know, and and yeah, I don't think I was, I don't, I don't, I wasn't very mature, but I know that I was seeking God. I know mm-hmm. that I was, I was praying, I was reading, I was really just really in 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 that place. And um, but we we both felt led to that 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 this was the person that I am to marry. You know, and we and we felt that we felt that very strongly. And she'll tell you to this day. I'll tell you to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, you know, and we've known each other almost our whole lives. And, but when we reconnected, when we were older, we, we, we just, we felt that prompting. Like, this is, I felt the Lord tell me, this is your wife. I felt, she felt, this is your husband. And so we moved in that and, and we moved in that in through some very heavy opposition through people saying, this is not the will of God for your life. This is not your husband. This is not your wife. This is not what God wants you to do. No way, Jose. And I'm not saying that wise counsel is not is not necessary, but right. the but the 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 counsel that we were getting from pastors and from from people who were who were walking, you know, and I'm not saying everybody wasn't walking it out, but the counsel that we were getting was in a, was in agreement, and it's not that we were just specifically seeking that counsel either. Sure. Um. But but to to say the least, we got married, and was it was our was has our marriage been very difficult at times? Yes. Well, who's, who's has it? Incredibly difficult. And here's the thing, maybe even more difficult than other people's Mm -hmm. because of the things that we had to face from our, from our background to, to her background, to her upbringing, to my, I mean, like, and that's a part of marriage, Right. but, but, but the, the amount of opposition we had to face, but that doesn't mean that that wasn't the will of God. We faced a lot of difficulty Mm -hmm. and, and still do, Mm -hmm. but we have, and when I say we have grown exponentially because we made that decision and because again the primary objective was closeness with god yeah. was that okay this is yes this is a difficult decision to make yet but like I think both of our hearts have always been to grow closer with the Lord and to grow in maturity and I think we've seen that through all of the mess and and thankfully, four years later, we're we're still married. Going into our fifth year of marriage, we're still married through through the difficulty and probably in the best season that we've ever been in. Yeah, you know, marriage wise. But and and we had to go through through some things. 
But nonetheless, that primary will of God has always been there. And God yeah. has grown, it has has pushed us closer to him mm-hmm. through all of that. And so it's like, you know, yeah, we could have waited longer. We could have done, we we could have done so many things differently. Mm-hmm. We could, I mean, like I can list off all of it. And we didn't make every decision right, but but God made every decision right mm-hmm. in us and grew us through that. Mm-hmm. And we weren't just doing what we wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it was through our own opposition, through right. outside opposition, but knowing that, okay, this is this is where we feel God leading us as we as we seek him. As we seek him, this is mm-hmm. where we feel God leading us. Yeah. Uh, well, and people often say hindsight is 2020. Yeah. And I just disagree. Do I think the picture of our I mean, lives no. becomes clear? <laughs> I mean, no. Does the picture of our lives become clearer when we look back at the past? Yes. I think we can look at it with a fresh perspective. But we're still we're still painfully biased. Mm-hmm. So I recognize when I look back at my past decisions, I only have a certain amount of clarity yeah. looking back. And it's interesting because I think here's a great example. So my parents, this was like 10 years ago, they made a decision to, my dad's a pastor, uh, they made the decision to move from a certain town and a certain church and move to another one. Not going to get into everything as to why. Yeah. But if they were sitting here right now, they they would say that decision was the wrong decision. It wasn't the will of God for us to do that. What's interesting is I disagree. I, when I, when I look back at that decision, I see the will of God all over it. I know I see it in my life. I, and I know our family had to deal with a lot of hardship in the season after moving. I still see the will of God all over it. So, so some people look back at a decision and say, that was wrong. That wasn't Shouldn't God. have done that. Yeah. Other people look back at the same decision and say, I think that's right. Look where we are. And look what we know mm-hmm. because of that decision. At the end of the day, who knows if it was right or wrong? The Father does. But even in even in that, He's faithful. That even when we make a mistake, He's He's gonna bring He's gonna bring those things back around as we continue to trust Him. And does is some of the hardship in your marriage and in my marriage our own doing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it? But is that hardship also just part of being flawed human beings? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so we can't say, I love what you're saying. We can't say just because there's opposition and just because there's hardship doesn't mean something is right or wrong. Right. So let's look at the scripture yeah. near the, near the end of Acts. And I, I maybe I should have looked this up because I might butcher it. But at the end of Acts, isn't it that Paul is on his way to Rome and they're on a ship and there are, are Christian brothers on the ship who are telling him not to go. Yeah. They're giving him prophetic words saying, if you go, mm. there's persecution Don't there. Don't go there. Yeah. Prophetic words. Exactly. <laughs> oh, geez, exactly. <laughs> that could be a whole other topic. <laughs> but they're saying, if you go, this is what awaits you, and it ain't good. Mm-hmm. So d- don't go. <laughs> don't go. And Paul says, I have to. Yeah. That I, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, even in spite of what's awaiting me. And those prophecies, because we believe through Christian history that Paul ends up dying as a martyr in Rome mm-hmm. shortly after. And so we look back at that and we say, well, were those brothers wrong for saying that? No, they weren't wrong for saying that. No, they were, they were correct. 
death and persecution and suffering awaited him in Rome. And yet Paul had the conviction to still go. Mm. So in all of these circumstances, we have to recognize our own bias. Mm. That unless I get something directly from God, whether I think it's his will or not, or whether I tell you I think it's his will or not, we're, we're biased. Yeah. We're so biased. Yeah. And we just depend on him for that direction. Yeah. Now, well, we don't have to go here yet. And let, Was there anything else you wanted to say on that? No. Okay, cool. Because I, I wanted to go to some more of what we talked about in our meeting, mm-hmm. which is helping helping ourselves and helping other people in the yeah. 80%. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the 80%. Um, because we often talk about what are, what are wise ways uh, to make decisions when we don't have that specific divine directive from the Holy Spirit, do this. Um, and one of my professors... Uh, from Southeastern, his, his name is is Dr. Alan Ehler, and he wrote a book called How to Make Big Decisions Wisely. Now, you know, Dr. Ehler is a human being just like us, so it's, it's not that this method is going to be foolproof, but it is a profoundly biblical method. When you, I've been, I've been going through his book again recently, knowing that we were going to talk about it some, and so I've just been going through and refreshing it, and it's, it's the best that I've seen. It's the best take that I've seen on how to deal with the will of God and how to make these big decisions when we aren't 100% sure what to do. And um, he has a process called story shaping. And what it is, is it, it, it draws on the fact that our lives and really the history of the world is one big story. It is one big narrative that's been unfolding from Genesis all the way through the consummation of this age and the new heaven and the new earth. That Genesis is the beginning of the story, the new heavens and new earth in Revelation 21, 22. That's the end of the story, at least the end of the scriptural story where mm-hmm. we live in eternity yeah. With, yeah. with God and uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever. But that our lives are one big story. And so Dr. Ehler drawing on that talks about how we need to use the device of story mm-hmm. in order to help us make wise decisions. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody talk like that. Yeah. I haven't. I, Me I just Me and I've seen I've and not that I'm not that I'm an expert on the will of God. I've I've read quite a number of books, at least at least what I think would be a quite a number of books on this subject. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen somebody talk about story the way he talks about it. Well in what appeals to me being being this kind of person is that there's a visualization aspect to it. Yeah. You know, and that's like that appeals to me because mm-hmm. I'm a real visualization type type guy. And that's not just from a self-help book. I just I literally visualize everything before, you know, before I do it or before I, I make that decision. Well, you're so, a creative. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You see those things and then you then you act right, accordingly. Right. So story shaping it it works it works perfectly for someone like you it also it also works for someone who's kind of strictly logical analytical yeah. and analytical like analytical is a better way to say mm-hmm. it analytical like me because it's a step by step process mm-hmm. i like those <laughs> i like step by step processes and it just it just makes sense to me mm-hmm. what he's saying so really in in all those kind of personalities yeah. there's a way to fit this to who you are and that's that's one of the big reasons why I love it. So what he's got is he's got four movements in this process uh, called story shaping. The first one is read the backstory. 
So when we come up to a decision, we, the first thing we need to do is look at what God has been doing in our lives up until this point. Mm. How has he been shaping me and, and molding me? Now, you can take this as far as you want to take it. So Dentine and I actually just went through this process. Her and I were on, we were walking for a few hours and we just kind of went all the way through this process. Um, but we did, I mean, you could go all the way back to childhood if you wanted right. to. I mean, you could, and you could go every step of the way what God has been doing. We just kind of took it from the last few years. What has God been doing in us? What's he been saying? Where, where are the areas that we've grown? Where are the areas that we need to grow? What's he been doing in our lives? And, and where has the direction been so far? Yeah. And then the second part was catch God's story. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is God up to right now? What do you sense? Again, are we do we have 100% clarity on that? No. But we say, okay, God, what do I feel like you're saying? Mm-hmm. So you and the example of you and Taylor before you got married, you both felt like God was saying that this is your spouse. Yeah. That's catching his story. Yeah. Saying, well, what do I feel like you're doing in me right now? And and I'm glad you said that cuz I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. But but when you when you think about it, um and and I just I want to be all the way honest. Like because again, we knew each other from the time we were children. You know, and there there was, you know, we we grew up together. We went to the boys and girls. So like this wasn't just a random chick that came into my life. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that would have made that would have made the decision very different because I wouldn't have been able to see, OK, God's God's story. Like what did what what, what has he done to prepare me to make this decision? Mm-hmm. But because I knew her, because we dated when we were kids, we dated a little bit when we were high school. Obviously, we weren't ready to like stay together or whatever, but then God brings us to this point where we reconnect and it's like, oh, okay. And then, and then I'm telling, and I'm not joking. As soon as we sat down and reconnected, we caught God's story. Yep. And I'm, and I'm not, I am not exaggerating. And I, 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 I say that because through all of the difficulty we have, we have made, God has really upheld us and got us to this point. But, but again, we sat down and we caught God's story. Yes. And, and again, like we, we've got, we've got two beautiful boys. She had a child when she was in college. And, and so I, I was, I was to be a step. I had no kids at the time, Mm -hmm. but, but here's how God, and and I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I really want to get really descriptive with this, Yes. but, but here's how God prepared me for that. When I was a baby, my father was with a woman who was in college, had no children, and she took me on as her son. There you go. And calls me her firstborn son, mm-hmm. not firstborn son, but her 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 first baby today. This woman didn't know what she was doing, and I call her mom today because of that. Mm-hmm. And and so God God prepared me to take on Reese as my son because because he put someone in my life to be my mother when I was when I was that age you know it, i mean literally almost the same age that Reese was yep. was when i came into her life and yep. she took care of me yep. as her son yep. and so god prepared me to take on that responsibility when most men wouldn't most men won't most, I didn't have that experience. I, I, I mean, literally, yeah. and that's a great responsibility. But but even as we were getting married, and we're wrestling, and she's like, "Well, you're not as you know, you're not as dad." And people are saying, "Like, well, they that that's not as dad, and you've got things to worry about, and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no!" Like God prepped me for this moment by giving me the exact same thing that I mm-hmm. now have to be. Yeah. 
You see what I'm yep. saying? Yep. And so, and so as, as we talked and as we went through that year of dating and, and getting to that point of marriage, as difficult as that was, I'm like, no, this is like, it's the will of God. Number one, because I'm seeking him. And number two, because he has prepared me and us for this moment, for this moment. And yep. I just, I knew it in spite of it all. Yep. In spite of it all. Yep. But it's because I was able to see what God had done in me and then and then catching what God is doing in that moment. That is precisely yeah. what Dr. Ehler's saying. That's that is a that is a perfect and powerful example of 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 this process at work. So we'll I mean, we'll take Dentine and I wanting to get married. We didn't know each other from childhood. So we dated for three years, not because someone told us we had to wait that long. Mm-hmm. But we needed to catch God's story in one another. Yeah. I needed to read her backstory. She needed to tell it to me. And I needed to tell her mine. And it can become dangerous when people get married quick and they hadn't read the backstory. Mm. And they haven't caught the story yet. Yeah. They just think that person's hot and they're nice. <laughs> and so here we go. Let's get it. And and so, I mean, you can do this kind of thing with jobs. Dentine and I did it coming to Indiana because that would seem, okay, God, we've been in the South our whole lives We've got an opportunity to move and go to Indiana. That don't seem like it's part of the backstory. Right, right. That don't that don't seem like what. But we we were able to catch what God was doing in us. We were able to put our finger on some things mm-hmm. and say, "This is why He's stretching us to move farther away from family than we've ever been because these are the things He wants to do in us mm-hmm. right now." And that's that's how you catch a story. And then the third movement is craft a new story. Mm. So visualize. It, yes. Yeah. So if I've got a decision mm. and again, we're talking we're only 80% sure or less. Right. So I'm I'm going to look at each aspect of that decision after already reading the backstory and catching God's story and says, "What does this next step look like in my story? What does this look like? Have I been prepared for this moment? Mm-hmm. Or have I specifically not been prepared for this moment? Mm-hmm. God, what is it what is it that because of what you're doing now and because of what you've done in the past, what are you doing next? Mm. What, what does it, what do I sense? What do good counsel in my life? What does the scripture tell me mm-hmm. about what you're doing next? Mm-hmm. And we can look to these different sources. Sometimes words of prophecy can be helpful in this. Sometimes they're, they're not. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if every prophecy I've gotten was the truth, I'd be in the NFL right now. <laughs> like someone legit told me I'm a little skinny, little buck 65 little kid. And they're like, you're going to be a, the, a first round draft pick in the NFL. So Whoa, I got to training. That's huge. I got to training. Oh my good! I trained all through the summer. Oh I trained all through goodness. the school year. And then the coach approaches me and is like, Hey, you going to play. And I hadn't played at this it's school. The will of God. Like, it's a sign. It's a sign. And then, so I played quarterback growing up. And I come to this team. Here I go. I'm ready. And he's like, I want you to play tight end. And I'm like, listen, if I weighed what I do now, I'd be the perfect tight end. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that back then. Right. It was, right. Like I said, buck 65 soaking wet. So that is an instance where a prophecy misfired mm-hmm. for whatever reason misfired. Right. I don't think it had anything to do with me. Right. I went after that mug as, as yeah. hard as I could yeah. go. But even still, God was faithful in all of that. Not just faithful to me, faithful to the person who, who gave, who gave the, the, the wrong prophecy, but in any and every situation, 
we can, now that I look back, that wasn't, the NFL wasn't God's next step for me. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the story. It was the ministry. Yeah. It was, it was, it was going to, going to a Christian school, getting mm-hmm. a theological education. Mm-hmm. That was the next step yeah. for me. Yeah. And I can, I can look back and say, well, that is the way I needed to craft my new story. That was the step I needed to take. And then, and then lastly, he says, tell the new story. Now, I love this because this seems like it wouldn't be necessary. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you've read the backstory, if you've caught God's story in you right now, if you've crafted the story of your next step, why, why would you need to tell it? So you're telling it pre-decision. You're telling it pre and post. Pre and post. You're telling, okay. you're telling it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, Especially to your circle. Man, mm-hmm. who, whoever is that circle See, for I like you, that because I'm a verbal processor. Exactly. So I'm going to tell you the story. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking exactly. regardless. <laughs> Share both stories. Yeah. Share. Yeah. Okay, so if I've got a decision, I'm going to I'm gonna craft a new story one way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to craft a new story the other way. And I'm mm-hmm. going to tell both stories. Yeah. And, and what are the people around me saying? Mm-hmm. It's not that their advice is perfect. We already right. covered that. Right. And it's not that the way I see things is perfect. But us together as the Christian community, built on the scripture, we can come together and make a wiser decision together yeah. than we can apart. Mm. But at the end of the day, I've got to go with the conviction that's in mm-hmm. me and uh, and in and in my family. So telling that new story, it makes it real. Mm. It's not imagination anymore. Yeah. Like I'm sharing, I'm sharing my heart with other people. There's accountability there. There's authenticity there. There's wisdom there. There's, there's all of these other things. And then post decision, when we make the decision, telling the story of what God has done Mm -hmm. and how he has prepared you for this moment, how he's stretching you in this moment, that is going to give us such an awareness Mm -hmm. of the will of God in our lives through the union of Jesus and through the decisions that we have to make. And then there's there's so much clarity in that. Exactly. You know, there's there's so much because well there's clarity and then there's preparation in mm-hmm. that. Because what you're doing is you are communicating and you're visualizing okay, this decision and this decision or whatever. And obviously again, back to the primary will of God is relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the primary will of of God is for you to be in and I love, I love that scripture because this is what I'm getting out of this scripture. Because again, he says, who is, whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. So you're, so what that scripture is literally telling you is that the primary will of God is for you to be in, in close relationship with Jesus. Yes. So if you, <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal is for you to be a part of the family of God, to be a brother and sister of Christ, to Christ, with Christ. So when you visualize that, you're you're bringing clarity, but you're also bringing preparation, so that when when the decision is made, whatever whatever you decide to do, you are prepared to walk out yes. that decision. Yes, you like like again going back to the marriage. Like I was I I wasn't hundred percent prepared. But I was prepared to maintain my commitment because I visualized it so much. You know what I'm saying? And as we went through all of these struggles, it's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know. I, I know. I can't leave. I know. Like I know that the the worst is not. Not that we never said it. Not that we never fought. Not that we never. You know, we're on the cusp of it. But it's like, no. I no. Like no, mm-hmm. because I I visualized this and I and I know. That so we we prepare ourselves for whatever decision that is, mm-hmm. whichever way it goes. Yeah, we're prepared to walk that out. Yeah, telling the new story helps us settle in. Yeah, to 
to the will of God in being with Christ. Yeah. That, okay, first I, and foremost, I have yep. that first, no matter what. Yep. It, in the decision, before the decision, after the decision, that is always there. That mm-hmm. will is there. Yep. But it helps me settle into the to the directive will of God. Yep. To yep. okay, I'm I'm making decisions, heading toward a certain purpose. God, what do you want me to do? First of all, I've got that first will there. But then when I tell the new story of what God has done, what He is doing, and the next step that I feel like He wants me to take, it helps me to settle into oh, it. Oh yeah, because. To, to, you only tell stories you got confidence in. Oh yeah. I mean, because if you're not secure in saying something, you're not gonna say it. Right. Like if if there was something I wouldn't if there was something I didn't want to say in this podcast, I'm not gonna say it. Right. But but sharing is is help what brings us confidence mm-hmm. and and clarity, like yeah. you said, in what God is doing. And I love I love what he says here about fulfilling the will of God in being in union with Jesus. He said, thinking as God thinks, loving what God loves, willing as God wills doing what mm. God says mm. that that's what it that that's what it means yeah. being in union with Jesus yeah. is that is that we are literally being conformed to the image of his son that's yep. that's Paul language yep. and so this isn't just a flippant oh Jesus I love you direct my path this is I'm loving what he loves mm-hmm. I'm hating what he hates yeah. hates I'm willing what he wills so when we come to a decision that's what we're going to lean yeah. into. It's a what would Jesus do? I mean, like, there you go. I, I, I had to. I had yeah. to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, and like, I know that's become a cliche, but like, it's not though. Like, that's literally the life that we're supposed to live. And it's be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. There you go. And, and that's, that's the will of God for your life. And if, if whatever you're doing is not, is not getting you closer to that, then you got to you got to shift something. Then around. that's not his will. That's not his will. That is clearly and not his will. That's where that's where you can where you can know. Yes. And here's the thing: that's not a place where you need to be condemned. It's a place where you need to identify that and yes. make and make the shift. Yes. You know, because you might you might be there. You yep. know, and there's been places in my life where where I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. That's not it. I need to make the shift. Yep. You know, I need to make the shift. This is drawing me further away yep. from from the primary will, which yes. is which is the relationship with Jesus. Yeah, and it, it's drawing me away from that. So, so I need to make the shift. Yes. I need I need to I need to make a different directive, if you yep. will, and 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 figure that out. But listen, guys, I pray that you guys are encouraged by this because I know that I'm I'm being freed up by this conversation yep. in a sense of of identifying and and take those steps. Re-listen to this. Pick up the book. What was the book called again? Making Big Decisions Wisely by Dr. Alan Ehler. Yeah. So pick that up. And if you've got a big decision to make, you know, follow those steps. You know, break it down really. So so really reflect and then visualize and and, and follow those steps. But listen. Stay in the will of God. Yes. Stay in the will of God. And and again, the primary will is that relationship. Yep. So so the first thing is is bolster that relationship. Spend time with Jesus. You know whatever that looks like for you. And uh, and be encouraged. Just be encouraged that that God is with you. He's for you. And and he's he's got your back. And he his what he wants is a relationship with you. So um, be encouraged. Have a great rest of your week whenever you're listening to this. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Check us out on Instagram at Church Voice Podcast. And we love you guys. And we'll see you in the next one. Peace out, y'all. Peace.